0: It is the LDS Live Podcast. I'm Kevin Williams, broadcasting to you from my Kevin Cave in West Jordan, Utah. If you want to like us on Facebook, you're certainly welcome to do do so. Um, Hang on. Oh, you're certainly welcome to do so. Uh, Just go to Facebook and do a search on LDS Live Podcast. You can also send me an email at W at LDSLifePodcast.com That's Kevin W. at com. This weekend, or uh, possibly on Monday, I will be getting a Twitter account and I am going to, sometime this week, make an attempt to submit this podcast to iTunes so eventually we'll be carrying on iTunes. Once we get on iTunes, uh, we can go anywhere. Um, Janalee Tobias is with me, by the way. And uh, she is the... Owner of a group called Women Against Gun Control. I guess you're the leader of it. Oh, by the way, in case I didn't mention it, six twenty-eight in the evening here, as I'm recording on March sixteenth, two thousand sixteen. By the way, Channel Lee, uh, let's do a little bit of a side trip here. Are you going to eat corned beef and cabbage tomorrow for dinner? <laughs>
1: um. Well, I'm hoping to kiss the Blarney Stone. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, and I, I am. All, I am. Uh, my son-in-law is Irish, and so we do celebrate St. Patty's Day. And you know, um, there is a leprechaun that always plays tricks. That darn leprechaun, like he turns my milk green, he turns my sugar green, leaves tracks everywhere, messes the house up. So, so yeah, uh, if I don't eat the corned beef and cabbage, I'm very well of uh, the of the naughty little leprechaun.
0: How about uh, I play a trick and come over with your brother in law and make a green smoothie?
1: Oh, wow. Is that healthy? (laughs) Is it lime sherbet? Are you talking like spinach and Uh, uh, crap uh, like that? (laughs) I
0: I actually bought a uh, Vitamix uh, at Costco back in 2011. Uh The only reason I did this is a friend of mine who is extremely holistic. Uh, got me into nutrition, although I have to admit I've slacked off quite a bit within the last year due to certain circumstances. But uh, I, she got me into nutrition. I am uh, pretty big into food storage. And oh. I had a job at uh, Verizon Wireless doing customer service, and I was trying to go through a company to buy food storage because I don't know the least thing about canning. Um, so I wanted to be prepared if, if something should happen and so I went I didn't end up buying it from this company but I went to a, a company in Midvale and I bought a sample I, uh, they gave me a sample of some food a, a, a regular meal and I showed this to a friend of mine and she said that's good for a single guy but you need better nutrition than that and so she showed me how to sprout uh, she actually gave oh, me uh, the uh-huh. mints, which I'm sure you're familiar oh. with. And, uh, yeah,
1: I've been, uh, been sprouting many years. My dad was a sprouter. Yeah. <laughs> and my my dad was actually a green, uh, green drink. My dad was green drinks before green drinks were cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow.
0: That's, see, I remember, and we'll get into the regular podcast, but I don't mind taking these side trips sometimes. Um, I remember... Um, my mother used to make me eat a eat salad when I was a kid. The the green. Salad. What eat
1: salad? Like what? A green salad? Yeah,
0: which I didn't mind. But I always wondered because in the summertime I never had it in the winter. But in the summer, she always put these things in that looked like taste that looked like grass and had a very weird. I shouldn't say weird, but distinctive taste. It wasn't bad, but it just kind of reminded me of. Being outside or something, um, and I found out later they were <laughs> alfalfa
1: sprouts. Oh, oh yeah! Like they're very delicious. They are. If we're going to swap green um, stories, I will tell you that when we weeded the garden, my dad made us keep the weeds, and and he said, and like he would look, he would check the weeds, and he'd say, hey, you can eat this weed. Like there's like malva root and comfrey, and gra- grass is actually healthy, and and spearmint and peppermint then he we would um put chicken wire all over the house like on my bed and and we would dry these herbs and then we would smash them up and make our own green tea Um oh anyway yeah so like i know i we used to that's all, awesome. you know the old the old song my dad was a junk food junkie you know he would go but that's the funny thing he oh i don't ever eat candy you know i'm only just going to eat healthy food but we would go in his closet and he'd have snickers and candy <laughs> bars and m&m's <laughs> in his pocket so yeah yeah no green drinks are good i we should eat more green stuff we should and um
0: i yeah i was going to say uh mary lou uh, made me actually her husband made me a smoothie when i was over there at her house one day and he said kevin i want you to try something you don't have to like it but i want you to try it i said what is this and she and he said well it's uh Celery, bananas, and spinach with lettuce blended together. <laughs> uh, it's kind of weird. I tried it. It was uh-huh. actually okay. It wasn't terrible, but it was okay. Yeah, yeah. And I actually had a second round of the green smoothie. Believe it or not. And oh then, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, a friend of mine, uh, uh, Mary Lou, a friend of mine, made me. We went down to BYU Education Week. And she was gracious enough to make me a nice big breakfast before we went. Oh. And the next day, uh, when we went together, she made me a green smoothie. And I asked, what did you put in this? Because it's better than what your husband made. And she told me. And I thought, I want to do this. So when I moved out on, on my own, I told her I'm going to get into the green smoothies. And she said, you need to buy a Vitamix then. So I waited till they had them on sale at Costco. And I... Yeah, it cost me four hundred bucks, but it's well worth it. In fact I might uh hopefully I can get into the green smoothie thing again next month in the
1: next month <laughs> uh, here's a little pointer. If you put uh, some lemon, uh like real lemons mm-hmm. and pineapple in that it makes it extra tasty. It always adds like a sweet lemon? taste to it. So what's that? Let yeah, lemon. You know, I think you just put the whole lemon in just like the spice of lemon, but grind the whole thing up. And it's really like I think we're just so used to eating sugar mm-hmm. that we become, used, like, we have to put sugar on. But if we eat um, natural sweeteners like lemons and limes and, and even spearmint and some of these herbs, they, they have a really good taste. And so. You need oh, to okay. me
0: to a holistic person so we can do a holistic LDS podcast. Yes. Carry
1: on. Yeah, though. you know, we should. And since we are talking about LDS life, I will tell you this um, that my dad was looked at askance. Is that the word to say? And I remember, because he talked about the importance of eating, I mean, the Doctrine and Covenants tells us that we need to eat herbs, and my dad took that literally, um, because they do, they are good for us. I've, I've had many miracles and miraculous healings by taking herbs, and so one time, uh, my dad made green smoothies for the Sunday school class that he taught, and my he got gosh. in big trouble. He <laughs> oh, no. was like, oh my gosh, talking about green drinks at church, and now, you know, it's acceptable, so...
0: Here's the thing. Uh, it's interesting you bring that up. I, When you called me, I was on my way to the grocery store. I had a really sore throat. I don't know if you noticed. I don't think you noticed. I, I, I kind of did, yeah. Did you?
1: Yeah, okay. your voice was a little lower, Yeah. It, like really, this. <laughs> yeah, it really hurt when I
0: talked. And so I went to go get an antibiotic because I'm a substitute teacher for my day job. And I uh, didn't want to make any little kids sick, and I didn't know of any herbs or anything like that to take. And I thought, you know what, the doctor is not too far away. I'll just have someone drive me there, because I didn't really feel like walking, because I was so Mm -hmm. sick. I got an antibiotic. I'm still on it. Uh, Where do you draw the line between being holistic and antibiotics? Because I don't know. I don't have an answer. I don't know where to draw. I just know I needed help right then and there. I couldn't do much of, well, I mean where do you draw the line? Because I think that's a fair question.
1: Well it, it is a fair question. It you know, hey we're talking about LDS lifestyle. So um, I'll, I'll tell you first of all, like usually if it's virus you you try to shy, shy away from antibiotics. But if you have if you have a bacteria, yeah, you need to get an antibiotic so that it doesn't spread. And then also I a couple summers ago I um will I got a stress related disease, where um, my I, I got MARSA, the skin eating disease, and it was just because of stress and because of my activities, political activities. It was literally like eating the skin off of my neck. Luckily, my face was preserved, um, but I remember like so. We went to the Brigham Young. This is the place monument and. They they have a a visitor center there and so one of the displays place was an old store an old uh, pharmacy and they were they had a nurse there that was one of the people that saying hey this is what the old recipes were like elderberry and 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 herbs and things like that and yes they can be helpful but with these new vaccine you know um, not vaccines but new new medicines that I had to take um, they they can save your life. So I think it's just you try what you can naturally, and if it doesn't work, then then yeah, you do need, there are benefits to modern medicine. It's not all evil. And I remember she said, you need to take your antibiotics or you're going to die. Because I was, you know, I was de- trying to decide, what, do I take this or do I try to put herbs? <laughs> so, yeah, I think, and then I think a lot of inspiration, you know, prayer and inspiration will lead you to, to what you should be doing. Yeah,
0: that's- I went to the doctor because I did not want strep, and I knew if I didn't do something, it was just going. It could have gotten worse, and -hmm. the doctor did say my tonsils had some pus on it. So I thought, well, yeah, I better take this antibiotic because who knows? Oh yeah, strep is
1: definitely antibiotic. Yeah. So.
0: Um, Anyway, uh, we may get into this a little bit later, and who knows? The one thing nice about podcasts is they're free flowing. I'm not under management say oh you can't talk about this you can't talk about this i, I don't have a uh-huh. commercial break although i would like to get sponsors for the podcast eventually once it gets up and running to my satisfaction mm-hmm. but uh you are really politically active i uh, uh i actually met you Lee, at uh k talk which i know that you're banned from and we'll get into that because I, <laughs> I think that needs
1: <laughs> I think that needs to be
0: talked about, because... I uh, Gosh, thanks for having me
1: on your podcast, Kevin, since I, I've been banned from a radio station. You're, you know, I'm controversial.
0: <laughs> well, here's so. the thing. Um, I have to admit, I have a soft spot for K-Talk, me personally, and I hope this doesn't make you mad at me, because I was, uh, I'll just admit out here on the podcast, I'm a blind person, it's going to come up anyway at some in some podcasts. And you're amazing. Like,
1: I don't know how you do it. You do, like, the buttons that you push. How do you know you're pushing the right buttons? And anyway, I think you're very, very amazing.
0: <laughs> well, thanks. Um, um, well, I live a philosophy. It says blindness is only limited to a physical nuisance with proper training. We'll get into that later, possibly. But um, for those of you that are interested, I do have – I'm running this off of a computer – and I'm recording this uh, on a piece of software called CallBurner. And I have a screen reader called JAWS, and it talks to me through the podcast. And a lot of software has shortcut keys, so I can just use a lot of shortcut keys and then navigate around through uh, the arrow keys and the tab key and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I have to admit, with K Talk, because it's very hard for a blind person to find a job, um, which is why I'm thinking about going back to college. Um, I got my degree in broadcasting. I knew Jim Sumpter from over the phone because him and I worked together on a Mm -hmm. project. And I called Jim Sumpter because I was desperate for work. And this was at a time, I don't know if you knew this, Janalee, uh, Jim Sumpter actually was begging for money on a Utah radio board. And, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I knew, since I know Jim personally, and I, we've worked together out of loyalty, I called him up and said, how much money do you need? I can get you, I'm not going to be able to get you a whole lot, but I can give you some. And he said, well, don't worry about it. And I said, "Oh sure? wow!" because uh, you sounded pretty desperate. And he said, well, I was just wondering what kind of a response I'd get and, I was wondering, uh, who was listening out there? Don't worry about it. And then he uh, he knew that I was looking, and I asked, "Is there any? Can I work for you or be your producer or something?" Because I'd really uh, oh uh huh like to get into radio. I got my degree, and he goes, "Well, Kevin, there is something you can do. Call me back at this time." So I did. Uh huh. And he mentioned to me K Talk. Now I've listened to K Talk. And from a broadcaster's viewpoint, K Talk is a very, as you know, very unprofessionally run station.
1: <laughs> you mean everybody works for free? <laughs> yeah, that too.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of people there that just don't know how to do radio. And mm-hmm. I, if it's one of those things where if someone were to have mentioned that back in 2000 or 2001, I would have said absolutely not. But by that time, this is back in 2008, I was desperate to do anything to get my foot in the door with radio. So I thought, why not? And he said, yeah, the general manager, not the owner, but the general manager, uh, she would be very sympathetic to your situation, and I know that she'd be willing to work for something. And, yes, I did work for free, um, although I did get one paycheck because I actually did successfully sell a piece of advertising for K-Tok. Um, okay. Yeah. But it's one of those things. I knew what I was getting into, but I also needed the experience. Um and Dick the the owner gave me what I wanted, mostly, except for the money and all that, but I got most of what I wanted. Uh-huh. I, I was able to put mm-hmm. something on a resume. I was able to use K talk to springboard to another job, even though it wasn't in radio, but and right now I had something to put on a resume. Now I could tell the company I did this, I sold this. So mm-hmm. I ha- I have to say, and I hope you don't get mad at me, I do. I guess it's because of that reason I still ha- I do have a soft spot for K Talk.
1: Oh no, hey, K Talk's really good. They're uh, free speech radio, except that they get ticked at you. Yeah, um, which I have no idea. I've been doing K Talk radio since nineteen ninety three, as a host or a co-host, um, and as a guest, and but. Anyway, so they 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 do uh well, they say they believe it's free speech. We I did a lot of good shows on there. So anyway, um but yeah, uh I think you should listen to K Talk. There's other AM stations out there too. So
0: And K Talk, uh, you because I don't like the way they sound on the radio, I just listen to them on the internet.
1: Uh-huh. And by the way. Oh yeah.
0: I have a Roku. Now, unfortunately, the Roku doesn't work very good for sight of people, but uh, I had my girlfriend come over, and we were playing with the Roku. And uh, wow, there's a lot out there, including K Talk. If you download the TuneIn app on your Roku,
1: I guess I don't need. How do you even spell that? The Roku? Yeah, I don't know what a Roku is.
0: Yeah, it's a little box that you hook up to your TV. It's like a an old cable box. You hook oh. it up to your TV, and it has a bunch of multimedia applications on it, and you can watch, you can do Netflix and all kinds of things on there. Any of the applications oh. Can, yeah.
1: Oh, okay, so you can put your computer on your TV. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a uh, gosh, a classic country station out there. There's all kinds of radio stations that you can get mm-hmm. only for the Roku. I guess you could say it's kind of like a cable box slash old C-band dish. Kind of. Uh huh. Uh But yeah, anyway, I listened to K Talk on the Roku. It sounds excellent. Oh, okay. Uh, just download the TuneIn app on the Roku. Okay. And yeah, uh-huh. anyway, let's uh talk about your political activism. I, I guess, uh, from what I gather, did you get started in 89 or 93? I couldn't tell based on articles I've read about you.
1: Um, well, yeah, probably, you know, probably was, I was um, pregnant in 1988, and I just remember I started paying attention to the governor's elections and, and the presidential elections. But I got my start probably when I was elected to be a state delegate in, I think it was like 1990, um, and I when my youngest was like a year and a half old, and I was elected to be a delegate, um, which in, in Utah is a very unique system that we're trying to preserve. We're, you get elected to be a delegate and you get to help select um, the people that become your state officers and federal officers and county officers. And so we, as a delegate, we take it very seriously and we study the candidates. It gives a person like here, I was a young mom with a, a two year old baby and, and political candidates that I see on TV, they were coming to my little apartment and we would sit knee to knee, you know, and, and I was important to them. And you think that if, if they didn't have this delegate system, they, they could care less about the little people that don't contribute money. But when you're a delegate, you have as much power as somebody with a million dollars because you have a vote, and so they convince you to vote for them. And so um, I started studying the issues, um, became very disenfranchised at, at a lot of the money that's spent in trying to buy your vote and a lot of the insider politics, and I, I started seeing insider – politics right off the bat. And I guess the, the issue that I, I started um, gathering signatures for term limits. There's a gentleman by the name of Merrill Cook that has run for office several times and has also um, been in charge of doing statewide initiative petition drives to like freeze the, the sales tax on food, um, freeze the property tax, and then he did a term limits petition and so i would i would go around and and gather signatures and and people it was like they just to see what doing um a really good way to get to know what the what the what the feel of the people are like what people are thinking is to go out and get signatures for an issue and so i became I would see, like, people are like, yeah, these are crooks, you know, They and a lot of them would say two terms in office, two terms in prison, you know, because they people were seeing in in the 90s, like, these politicians, all they care about is enriching their own pocketbooks. And so at that time um, in the state of Utah, there there was um, on on a state level, he'll, uh, Dee Dee Cordine was mayor of Salt Lake City, and there was an attorney general who was a woman, Jan Graham, and Karen Shepard, my representative, and they were calling for gun control. And on a national level, it was—it was—and still is the same players. It's Hillary Clinton, Dianne Feinstein, Nancy Pelosi, um, Janet Reno, um, and there. So these—all these women were saying, "Hey, if we just ban guns, it'll—it'll it'll make the will be safer." And so, as a woman i 'm thinking, yeah, I need to trust these ladies because they're women, and so but so I started studying the issue and and I found exactly the opposite of what they said. They said that they were saying that if if we have less guns, there 's less crime, and statistics couldn't be more wrong. The fact is, I found out on my own research um just by looking at the FBI crime report. So so a report that's supposed to be there's no bias one way or the other. And I saw that the murder rate for states like Idaho um had a murder rate of about one point eight per one hundred thousand people. This was before the Brady Bill law was passed and so so Idaho had some of the least restrictive gun laws in the nation with a, a murder rate of one point eight per one hundred thousand And I looked at Washington, D.C., where guns were restricted. You couldn't own guns in Washington, D.C., and their murder rate was about 80.1 murders per 100,000. So I agree that it's not responsible just to look at a chart and say, oh, it has to do with guns. But you can certainly say that that gun control laws are not the single factor that – contributes to crime. So they can't say more gun law- control laws protect us because it's not true. And so also I, I read testimonies um, from people uh, like Suzanne Gracia hub a representative in Texas, who um, she had a concealed carry in- permit in Texas, and the law was to leave it in your car. She went to lunch with her parents. That was the very famous massacre of Luby's, I do believe it was Luby's Massacre in Texas. And she, because she followed the laws that you, you had to leave your gun in your car, she could, she said she had the killer, the shooter in her tar, if she would have had a gun. And she watched as the killer shot her dad. And she tried to grab her mom and bring her mom out, but the mom wanted to stay with her dying dad and she was shot. And she was able to get away. And so I, I read stories like that. I read stories about the the riots. I think that was in 1988. Of the very famous statement, "Why can't we just get along?" With King. I can't remember his first name right now. Um, that when the uh, white cop shot a black guy or something, and 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 there was riots in the L.A. area. I think it was. Oh, are you talking and about
0: the Rodney King?
1: Rodney, Rodney King, the Rodney in, King uh, the, beating. Yeah,
0: those riots, yeah, the beating happened in 91, the riots happened in 92. Okay.
1: Okay, right. And and so like the pictures that were etched in my mind is that the businesses that were being looted, they, they were just being looted, but but the people that had guns, they stood on their rooftops and they protected their private business. So not only do guns protect people, they 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 lower the murder rate. If you own guns, they also protect your private property should should the world develop into chaos. Um, also, study statistics of, of prisoners. They Psychologists go and interview prisoners, and they ask prisoners, what would be a deterrent to you? And they say, we don't rob houses if we think it's going to be what they call a hot robbery. And, and so a hot robbery is somebody where they suspect that somebody has a gun, and so they don't. They don't rob those houses. They want to go to houses where they're least likely to get in and get the stuff they want and not get shot. Um, also, testimony from uh, for, from women who weren't the, um, if if they were able. If when they get a divorce, people will tell you that that study divorce and and restraining orders that. The, the most times when a woman will be killed by her ex-husband or ex-boyfriend is after they they leave. So after the they've been ordered out of the house and they're separated, that is the most time where they're going to they get they get so enraged that they go back and kill or or badly maim their their ex. And so so um, there were instances where in that state before before the um, the Brady Bill was passed, and some states had waiting periods, and some did not. They had a waiting period before they could buy a gun, and in that time, they were murdered And because they couldn't get a gun to protect themselves. Um, also, I heard a, a, a 911 recording where it's just an actual recording where a woman's on the phone, and she calls 911, and she tells the dispatcher, there's somebody in my house. He just broke in and the dispatcher saying, Okay, we're sending a police officer over to your house. Just go hide somewhere.
0: I heard that. You, you had a link to that on your website.
1: Oh I do? Okay, you I do. Yeah. So you heard that isn't that that's chilling. Yeah,
0: it was in Texas.
1: Yeah. And and so she's so they're so she's saying, He's getting closer and, and the ladies are saying, Okay, just wait a minute, the cops will be there in a few minutes. And so then, and I I get goose pimples talking about that right now. And so, and so you hear, you hear the, the robber, the murderer, I mean, the, the burglar in her house. You can hear her, like, hear them breaking in the door. And she's like, they're breaking down the door. And then the phone goes dead and she was killed. She was murdered while she's waiting for the cops to come. And so there are various, you know, like, numerous, in fact, Another really important study that I studied, it's called the, the Gary Click, and he's a, a, a professor at the University of Florida, a criminologist, and he did some statistical sampling. And he also, I do believe he was ACLU or former ACLU, and so he um, found out that, that guns are used to protect lives million times a year and and so that's significant so a lot of times here's what is so powerful about a gun is that most of the times in these self-defense situations if you you pull out a gun and they'll leave they're afraid of firearms but they're not afraid of mace they're not afraid of a knife because they can overpower, especially a female with a knife, and they can overpower them. But if you hold your gun, and I was taught uh, by an FBI, a female instructor, and, and for people, for Mormons, uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, we're taught not to use foul language. And so I probably never said the F word in my whole life. And so I this, she teaches you what you say so that you look serious, because you know, so she said. You say when you hold that gun in your hand, and you get a look in the in your eye, and you tell you hold the gun, and you say, "I have a gun. Get the f out of my house." And I'm like, "I can't say that." You know, I have to say, uh, you know, but 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 you have to be serious about it. But but I've since also concluded that I, if I held the gun in my hand, um, and if I said. Um, get out of my house, pretty please. They they probably would because a gun backs up my statement. But but you have to act. Um, you you need to know how to handle a firearm. So so anyway, like myriads of, of research out there. And by the way, let me mention since I was talking about Gary Kleck, who was the professor at the University of Florida, the other study that I also did was I studied. Um, Florida, you, you'll probably remember this, Kevin. Um, they had this huge problem with um, tourists being um, attacked. Do you remember that? No. Well, that okay. That was a, a result. I'll tell you the story because it's really interesting. Um, women in Florida were being victimized at a very high, alarming rate.
0: No, it was not Ted
1: Bundy. Uh, well, he was one of them, but they were. It was free, like frequently women. Okay. I, well, yeah. I just yeah, Ted had, Bundy. He was in Utah too, by the way, and I actually know one of his. In fact, I
0: know somebody who went on a date with Ted Bundy.
1: Oh, you did, and I know somebody who was killed by Ted Bundy, and their parents still leave the light on for her to come home. It's very tragic. Um. So yeah. So there's Ted was, if I, if really? I, the Ted infamous. Really? I yeah. We'll have to. to I oh I wait. So you dated like, her and she was killed? No, No. No. No, the, no, I know
0: I have a neighbor who went on a date with Ted Bundy. No, she was not killed, but I re- I read the book The Stranger beside me.
1: So oh, scary. Yeah. I,
0: I think I know who you're talking about.
1: Um yeah, they're they're here in Utah and Can yeah, he, he was one that? of the ones. Um you, you know, go ahead. I I, I think know it was like Melissa Smith, wasn't it? Um you know, that might have been it. It it's my friend's uh, sister's husband's sister, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, well, if it's the one, I think it was, she worked at a pizza place, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh, um, yeah. There, there also was another person, there was a couple, though. I, I just remember Melissa Smith, who worked at a pizza place.
1: Yeah, you know, I'll find out. if That very well could be her name, you know, and I'll get back with you. Yeah. Um, but, but in Florida, women were being victimized at an alarming rate. So I can't remember whose idea it was to do this or who did this. I think it was some government agency. I think it was maybe even the governor or somebody said, okay, we're going to teach the women in our state how to shoot and how to carry firearms so that, so that they can protect themselves. And everybody, like the liberals and the gun haters and, and whoever, you know, that didn't understand guns, Florida is called the Sunshine State, and they were saying that Florida is going to become the Gunshine State. But in fact, it, the exact opposite happened. And, and the victimization rates against the women in Florida, they went down. But here's the interesting, um, unintended consequences of that, the women becoming armed and knowing how to use a gun, is that, so, the, the burglars who were preying on Floridian women, they thought, okay, we're gonna victimize the tourists, so if, if we see somebody from out of state, then they're least likely to have a gun because of the concealed carry laws at that time. They probably didn't have reciprocal concealed carry laws. And so they were just banking on that they would not have firearms. So really, and and, and, here, and here's another story for you since we have an, an LDS, uh LDS life podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a student at BYU, um, did you, like, okay, they have what they call family home evening groups. Yep. And so every every Monday night um, there's a mom and a dad and we have a family and, and it's really neat because you're away from college and this is your adopted family. And so, um so I had a family home evening brother that was two or three times my size. And so I had a self-defense class I was taking, you know, like basic self-defense, like if a guy comes up to you and and tries to take your keys, here's what you do. And if he tries to grab your throat, here's what you do. And so we went through these self defense moves and and I could and I could defend myself against this guy who was three times my size. And that's when we kinda of playing around. So then the instructor said, Okay, men, you're on meth and you are you're now you're attacking the woman. You know, don't play around this time. And I was completely helpless and and so it's just it's a physiological fact. Here's what I I have to talk about um, the Lord with at, at some time, uh, in, and that is why He made women with twice as much fat, uh, and and men have twice as much muscle. <laughs> so uh, it's you know like so it's it's a physiological fact that men tend to be uh, bigger and stronger than women. And so when when you like so I I, I thought, okay, I I can go to these self defense classes and I, I can start at, at beginning karate or beginning jujitsu or whatever. And and I'll and I'll have to, to take a year and I'll spend a lot of money and I gotta go every week and take these self defense classes and learn how to do kicks and, and different ways. And I'm gonna spend thousands of dollars and, and really take years to get to be really proficient that I could be comfortable in walking down the street and feel like Chuck Norris or something or, or, or a Chang. What's the Chang? The Chinese guy. What's his name? Johnny Chang. I can't think of his name. He's my favorite. The Chinese guy that knows martial arts. Um, uh, Anyway. And, and so um, I be, so I concluded that it is, less expensive, and so it's actually economically more viable for women who who don't have a lot of money. So for, let's just say it, for the poor class, um, the women who are poor, um, for a few hundred bucks and a few lessons, you can learn how to defend yourself so that you can take down a man three times your size, four times your size with a firearm. And that's very empowering to to think that you can defend yourself against an attacker twice your size and that he will be afraid of a firearm, and you know you can that you can take down a guy twice your size without even breaking a fingernail and and so what i so if I studied those facts and I was looking at who is calling for more gun control laws, and it was women. And so like women, we're supposed to like have each other's back, you know, we're supposed to have a sisterhood. And so I was like, why, why are they, why don't they want us to send a message to the women are, we can't have guns and the guns are bad when it's the exact opposite. And then, and then also they're completely hypocritical because those women have bodyguards and their bodyguards don't carry mace they don't carry a knife. Their bodyguards carry guns. And, and additionally, these women, they're, they live in gated communities. And, and even then, I bet these women that say they hate guns and want to ban guns, they probably have a gun stashed in their undie drawer. So they're extremely, <laughs> if they wear them. No. <laughs> so um, <laughs> um, they're extremely hypocritical. That they, they have all the protection in the world. They're upper class. And they and they don't want I can't protect myself, so they think that they're, they're better than us, and my life isn't worth as much as theirs that they can have guns to protect themselves, but we can't have guns to protect ourselves and so as as I pondered that, I've always been a little fighter, always been you know i've- re- I was youngest of seven, three brothers, three brothers in laws teased me incessantly, and <clears throat> so I learned to fight back at, at a really young age, and so I was like, you know, I'm not going to, wait, these women are ticking me off. So I decided against um, a lot of different names. And And the psychology is that they say, don't be against something. You should be for something. So I was thinking like, okay, women for self-defense, women for guns, and, or lady, like petticoat, pis, pistol pistols and petticoats. But I thought, no, I'm going to take this issue on because the biggest gun grabbers, in the United States were and still are because they think they can get away with it by playing the the women card, you know, the the gender card. And it's women. So I said, okay, I'm going to start a group called Women Against Gun Control. Now, what year did you start that? uh, Probably 1993 um, or or a little earlier. And so I was out gathering um, um, signatures for term limits and this reporter was interviewing me to get my opinion on term limits, um, which, which I think is critical. If the president is limited, then I, you know, I, I I know there's a lot of good people in office, but the fact is, is that money influence, and too many of them get in and they stay in forever. And then after a few years, they, became, they become completely owned um, by the establishment, and they and they don't care, and they quickly forget about the people they represent. You know, most of them, yeah, I mean, there's a lot I'd like to see in forever, but when you look at the good ones versus the bad ones. We need to get we need to get rid of them all. They need to be turned over. You know, they I used to say that they're like um diaper. you know, like diapers that need to be changed often. Yeah. <laughs> diapers and politicians. Um so interviewing me um on term limits and so I said, by the way, um I don't support gun control. I don't support BD Cordini. I don't support my representative Karen Shepherd attorney Jan Graham I don't support um Janet Reno oh and Sarah Brady by the way who who pushed for the Brady bill I I don't support these women so on on a state and national level the biggest gun grabbers were women so I I took them on and here I am this little cute mom I can say that now because I was little and cute back then <laughs> um you know t- taking on these uh taking on these very powerful women and, and so it was a front page story in the tribune and it had me and i so they wanted to take a picture of me so i went down to the range um my friend was a, a vietnam war veteran he taught firearm safety he had a, a briefcase of guns for me to shoot and i and i wore a pink dress and it said uh, like utah women for gun control not this group and i, and I completely took them on um, and I, and I also brought, that was in the days of the, um, the OJ Simpson trial and it was Nicole Brown Simpson. And one of my quotes was if Nicole oh, that was, Simpson, uh, Back in okay, or, or even earlier, cause I think the article I'm looking at was maybe 1993. Um, oh, yeah, that, so I said,
0: yeah,
1: Yeah. so I said, if, if Nicole Simpson would have had a gun, um, she'd still be alive. So, um, you know that's oh, that, that yeah i do believe that because you know she but in california they have really um restrictive gun control laws and they you know i i blame these people who make the politicians who are making women be victims and continue to be that way Although, so it was a front page story uh, was
0: pretty muscular i'm not sure he would have been afraid of a gun
1: well yes he would have he, he, he pointing at a, a 38 or a 45 or even a 22 um You know, at one to center one bullet to center mass or several. Um, And what you know what they say if if you have um, gun classes, what they teach you that you aim for center mass. Mm -hmm. Um, And you don't even really okay in a self defense situation. Typically, I mean, think about it. You really don't want to shoot somebody if they're far away from you because they're they're not really a threat. But the second that they become they get in your personal space and you feel Your life is threatened. That's when you would pull the trigger, and they teach you to do, to to shoot, to put two bullets, the center mass, and one bullet to the head, and that's how we practice. So, um, so I was front page story in the Salt Lake Tribune, and my phone started ringing off the hook because nobody had taken action. Well, and let me go forward. I mean, backwards a little bit from that. Um, I also, um, before I specifically took it on as a women's issue, I saw that Didi Cordini um, and there was a judge that was pushing for waiting periods um, on on guns in Salt Lake City. And so here I am, I just... I just got, was recovering from a a bad motor or a a car accident. (laughs) And so I I sent this news release out. I'm telling you this story to let people know how much power they have. Mm -hmm. Um, I do have a degree in communications from Brigham Young University. And so I learned how to work with the media and write news releases. But so I wrote this news release and I said, hey, uh, Mayor Davy Cordini and Judge, I, I can't remember his name, maybe Judge Murphy. They flunked their their um, political science class, and they don't understand, or they might not not know how to read. But the Second Amendment says that gun rights should not be infringed, so that means no background checks, no waiting periods. And so I sent that news release out, and I called some people, um, and I I let a few gun stores know. And so we met um, just a handful of us. And we met in front of um, the Salt Lake City uh, City Hall, and here I am in my in my dress. Didi Cordini was, you know, real short hair and more pantsuits. You know, the, the, these power women—they like to look like men. You know, but no, I think my power is in looking feminine, looking like a woman. I mean, don't women drive men crazy, right? So, you know, that isn't that a little bit of power, right? So let's let's use our feminine power. So. um, and and like five five TV cameras showed up, and 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 did this big story on, and I and I ripped them, you know. It was so which led to to several months later, um, to starting Women Against Gun Control, and and my life has never been the same. I didn't think that, over 20 years later, I, I'm I'm still very much in the fight to protect the Second Amendment and i have been volunteering my time for more than 20 years and it's one of the most rewarding things that um that i could ever do and i women against gun control is now the oldest um, and maybe one of the first but we're still surviving um, female gun rights organizations and now there's several of them but i i was out there taking the arrows um, before any of the other women's gun rights groups and um, and so I just wanted to be, yeah, my, my website isn't as good as it could be. I don't have a staff that works for me. We have volunteers. Um, but I, I, you know, at that time, you look up gun control, and it, all these women were in favor of gun control. And, and there I, if you type in women against gun control on an internet search, I'm the, well, women against gun control is the first one that comes up. And so we were not going to let, the gun hating the the the, the women who make us victims, they did not have the only say in this. And so here's this grassroots organization taking on the world saying that, that no women not all women support gun control. And in fact, you know, that they're high they're very irresponsible. In fact they make us victims. And I still have to continue to fight them today. And I will if Hillary Clinton becomes a nominee and, and she most likely will be I am going to take her on because she is, she makes women victims. She's completely hypocritical that she'll say, "Oh, women can can join the the military. In fact, they can become, uh, you know, Navy seals, and they can they they can do anything that men can do. We can send them on the front lines. They can fly. They can be fighter pilots in the military and handle all these big guns. But at home, oh no, no, you you dumb women, you know, you." Don't. You shouldn't have guns. In fact, we're going to take them from you. So I I detest her because she makes us victims, and her words make us victims. I think what I,
0: Clinton is saying, though, and I'm not defending her, but I, it kind of is the same rhetoric that Dianne Feinstein Jews and everybody else. Uh, you can have guns if you work for the government, but if you're an average citizen... Oh, yeah. So Hillary yeah. says, yeah, you can fight uh, in the front lines of the military, get your gun. Oh, but if you're an average citizen, you have to go through all these regulations.
1: Or you shouldn't have them at all. I mean, they're, she's saying, if if I understand correctly, she is saying that she wants gun confiscation. She wants us yes, all to turn in our does. guns, and I, so does I, I Bernie Sanders. And she's always said that, and I, as much as, like, look, being this gun control issue, I had no, it just like it seemed like, oh, I had no idea what I was getting into, you know. And all of a sudden, I'm in this huge political um, battle, which is completely stressful. Um, but it's something that that we need to do, and it's the least I can do, to pay back the um the lives that so that millions of soldiers have given, so that we can be free, and the second amendment is the amendment that keeps us free. We're exercising freedom of speech here on this podcast um to because we do all we can to 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 speak out. I'm a huge advocate of free speech, and if you did research on me. You'll see that I won a huge free speech case. By the um,
0: way, sec- if uh, our Internet will be regulated. Mark my words.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they, she's a power freak, a power a control freak. Yeah. And, and, and she's extremely dangerous. And, and it's going to have to be – men, it's like we, we elected a black president, and they're untouchable because if if you don't agree with their policy, you're a racist. Mm-hmm. Oh, you just said that because he's black. No, we didn't. We said that because my insurance rates have gone up. You know, I can't afford insurance now. He bows to, to foreign leaders. I mean, the list is endless of the atrocities, but if we speak out against it, you're racist. And it's so the same thing will be with Hillary. Oh, you're, you know, you're just saying that because she's a woman. No, I'm not saying that because she's a terrible president. It makes no difference. So it's so scary. Um, and, but, you know, but but white, Christian, males, you know, you're, you can say anything about them. Oh, yeah, you know. Yep. So By the way, <laughs> if, uh, speaking
0: of Hillary, and then we'll get back to gun control, because I have a few questions when you're done making your statement Uh Okay.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, I understand, and I haven't heard much report. I know Glenn Beck has come out in recent times uh, taking on the Clintons in one of his segments on his talk show. I understand, uh, you know, Hillary says, well, I know she says, do what you have to do, don't take sexual harassment, might scream, yell, whatever. But yet, I understand when uh, women have come forth to tell their stories about Bill Clinton sexually harassing them, Hillary is just brutal to these women. So there's, if that's true, which I believe it, it
1: is... Oh, yeah, she totally defended, you know, just to, all to keep her power. Um, yeah, she's an enabler. Yeah. <laughs> the hypocrisies are just out of this world. and And taking money from countries that are completely abusive to women. Yeah, and so, so uh,
0: she took. Yeah, you're right. She took money from some Middle Eastern countries. I think Saudi Arabia was it, one of them. And...
1: It's it's really interesting. As I read um, Chelsea Clinton coming to t- campaign for her mom in Utah, and I'm reading the issues that that are a big deal. I can't remember the other. Well, it's always global warming, but then she's like, and make sure that women can get abortions and gun control, and I'm like, you, okay. Women who understand the value of life. What if what if her parents had gotten an abortion? She wouldn't be here. And and these are the most important. Like so, we have we have rising debt, we have we have crime rampant in inner cities, um, black on black crime. I mean, the the list of problems is just endless. And, And those are the focus, really: abortion and gun control. Let's talk about, I've issued this challenge so many times, Kevin, and that is, I've always said from day one, it, and again, since we're talking on LDS Life, I will attribute my, the, the, the way I believe, the way I do, is because of the values that I learned at Mormon Church. And that is, number one, that strong families are the backbone of America, And so, in our families, it's really critical that we teach our children morals and values, and 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 some of the a list of some of the things you know like, hey, maybe we shouldn't have our kids be watching these violent video games, and and let's have dinner together, and and let's read to our children, and let's let's teach them talents, and 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 just like all the things that that would attribute to good parenting, um, because it all starts with strong families. And so I've issued the challenge um, on every debate that I've been on, when I've been on a debate with somebody who is, I, they're, I call them anti-family because they don't care about my family's protection. Because number one, for families, more than anything else, um, when you're a mom, you become a mama grizzly. I used to say a mother, a mother. Um, yes. That's what ki- Kyle
0: two K called you on. K-talk.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm a mama grizzly. Yeah. And like, if anybody tries to hurt our kids, we're going to rip their head off. We don't care. You know, uh, but you know, just we're, we're really gentle until you ta- attack our kids. And so if so we, so instead of just saying, they, they act like the answer to solve the world's crime problems is to ban guns which infuriates me. That is not the magic bullet. If it were that easy, I would be all in favor of it. Yeah, okay, let's ban guns, then crime goes away. Are people really that stupid that they believe that? They just believe the same thing like free college. Oh, free college. Where does the money come from? People don't understand. You're taking it from other people, and you're, and you're also, you don't appreciate if you don't work for something, you don't appreciate it. So, I I use you the challenge. Why can't we talk about crime control? And so I'll be in a debate with somebody that's a gun hater, um, and I'll say, okay, why don't we get? Let's I'll get ten people who are pro gun, and you get you get ten people who are anti gun, and let's sit around the table, and let's take guns out of the equation, and let's talk about what causes crime, because you can leave a gun a fully loaded 45 semi-automatic 45 or leave a a fully uh, uh, loaded um, ar-15 since that's the 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 in the politically correct and incorrect gun now and an ak-47 and totally put it put a, a a magazine capable of holding 30 rounds and leave it on the table and just let it sit there and until somebody comes and they have to hold it and put their finger on the trigger and it has to be somebody with an evil criminal mind or, or somebody will pick that up to defend. But it's the person that gets to that point that we need to be talking about what contributed to that. Um, and, And so let's talk about maybe, maybe we need to have better schools. Maybe, maybe we need to, to cut taxes so that two parents don't have to work because one parent works to pay the bills, and one parent works to pay the taxes. When I was growing up, and maybe you too, Kevin, that we could that o- only one parent had to work. Yep.
0: Yeah. No, my and, mom did And work. so she was a teacher, but she technically didn't have to. I think she chose to work, which is
1: fine. But, but she was home after after school. Yes. Like those are school teacher is a, is good to to be home because I I always. So, so if I'm going to be on this committee on when we're talking about what causes crime, I, I had this solution for transportation problems, which would have been a double, you know, a double help. So let's say, so if if you had like okay, so for for moms or the dad, you know, people in the workforce, let's say, if you, the two most important times in raising kids that you need to be there one parent at least needs to be there is when they're going to school because they need to be there. A parent needs to be there to, to give a child love and to get them breakfast and to make sure they have everything that they need to go and they need to go off to school that day with a hug and I love you and have a good day. Um and then when they get home from school to have somebody waiting at home with a snack or like be ready, you know, help with homework and find out how their day has been. Because another fact, if if we're talking about, so I so that does two things. Ha, having at least one parent home at those hours um, that reduces crime because a lot of uh, they're called latchkey kids. Kids come home from school, there's not a parent there. And I remember, I loved it. You know, I mean, I liked it because it was occasionally for me. But the occasional time my mom wasn't home, that's the time when I'm going to eat the, all the cookies I want watch TV and kind of do whatever I want, right? By the way,
0: even though my mom was a teacher, I was a latchkey kid because I would come home uh, sometimes before my siblings did because I was in elementary school. And sometimes my mom wouldn't come home to about 5, 5.30 at night. But I guess uh, my mom was okay with that because... All I ever did was talk on the phone with friends and made an occasional prank phone call.
1: (laughs) I did Um, that. Prank phone calls were the big deal before Caller ID, yeah. Well,
0: even then, yeah. Actually, I lived in Ontario, Oregon, and Caller ID was out in Boise in 1991. And uh, so we didn't have it in uh, Ontario yet, although I did know someone who did, and it was very primitive. But uh, I remember. I, we would, I would, uh, sometimes I even went to a friend's house and we would just do prank calls. We'd prank call Albertsons and all kinds of places, just ask stupid questions.
1: No, what's your favorite, my favorite one, okay, we call, we call him, hello, is your refrigerator running? Then oh, you better no. go catch it, is that you what You know,
0: that remi- I was thinking about that the other day. I had a CB radio when I was 11 years old.
1: Oh, those were fun.
0: Yeah, and, uh, I, I am really surprised, looking back. My parents even let me have a CB radio, to be honest.
1: Oh, yeah, you could raise all kinds of trouble with those. Not only I mean, that. Well, I know. Which is worse, CBs or cell phones. I don't know. No,
0: not only that. But, uh, my gosh, there was... A... Okay, you had the truckers. And once they... Because uh, I was an 11-year-old kid. Once they found out I was a little kid, they kind of toned down their language. But... <laughs> When I moved to uh, Boise, Idaho, uh, the CB culture was very different in Boise because now you had your truckers and locals. So the truckers were on Channel 19, and the locals back then were on Channel 25. Oh, my, did I hear about a lot of drama when I was 11 and 12, and I talked to a lot of questionable people, let me tell you. And, yes, I did wreak a lot of havoc. So I'm really surprised that my parents even let me have a CB at that age. Uh-huh. But I guess the point is, getting back, I was a latchkey kid. But I wonder if my mom was somewhat okay because with it because, like I said, I'd come home and talk on the phone with friends, make an occasional prank phone call.
1: So that's um, not too bad. I would
0: call... Uh, <laughs> phone numbers just to hear recorder recordings remember hooked on phonics uh
1: i think i do
0: yeah so i'd call them and just listen to the recording and laugh and listen Mm -hmm. i spent a lot of my time though listening to the radio so i wonder if my mom was okay with me being home alone because I knew she knew that it was harmless. I don't know what she, how she would handle it in today's society, though. I really don't. Yeah, well, I think today
1: it's 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 probably even more important to be home with the access to the internet and cell yeah. phones and, and 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 so so that so that should be on the table. And and by the way, what that would do. So let's say even so, like for school teachers or 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 a job in a professional workforce. So let's just say. The, the owner, you know, you could be a big CEO of a company or or, or whatever, work in a company of your choice, but just kind of be flexible. So to say, hey, I just want to be home in the morning with my kids and, and be home, you know, at least soon after they get home from school. So that would also take cars off the road during that time, right? So that would that would have a huge impact on the cars. So So Common Sense Solutions like these, and just put everything out on the table, because, and and, and these aren't all my ideas, I mean, these are just, if, if you get out, and, and you talk to the people, and just your neighbor, or, or you're riding the bus, and you talk to people, and you're like, oh my gosh, these are such good ideas, why can't our politicians think like this, but they only, but they think how they're paid to think by lobbyists, yep. well, and, I- and that's just, Go ahead.
0: Oh, oh, but I want to get into some questions about gun control because I have a, I have a moderate view of gun control. I don't want people who are mentally disturbed, people on bipolar medication or whatever, to have guns mm-hmm. because those people are very dangerous. Also, I want to go back to something you said. If O.J. Simpson had a, a gun, Nicole might be alive. Um, back in the day, well let's I'll just uh, make a fictitious story up. Uh, let's say that uh, you're at a summer camp and you call somebody a hypocrite. Well, that person happens to be somebody's girlfriend who is at the summer camp also. so the boyfriend and girlfriend are at the summer camp. Boyfriend comes to you, and uh, I know this is an LDS Life podcast, but I'll say it because this would probably happen (laughs) in a real situation. If you call this person a hypocrite, I'll kick your ass. Okay. And you say, well, if you kick my ass, I have a gun right here. What if that person was so angry, and this could happen, and I think this ought to be addressed because this is an issue that Mm -hmm. I've had with guns. What if that person was so angry at you, to even think of having a gun what if you went to sleep and you had the gun in your dresser and that person sneaks into your room and shoots you or better yet what if you're taking a shower or something you don't have the gun is near you it's on the toilet or something mm-hmm. the person grabs it and shoots you so i sometimes wonder and i'm not trying to say guns are evil but i sometimes wonder how effective are guns in a situation like that
1: well i and kevin those are really the kinds of questions that we should be asking i think they're fair questions um and i because i think that's an inherent fear that that people have it's what, what ifs what ifs what ifs right mm-hmm. so i guess yeah that happens all the time and and yeah like it's like you got a boyfriend you don't talk to my girlfriend that way so i guess so Go back to the situation at that moment. um, The the person owning the gun, if they had that on them, they're taught. That's why I'm not a big fan. I'm going to make a lot of enemies here. I'm not a big fan of um, being able to carry without a permit because you need to know the
0: law.
1: Really? Yeah. So so I'm not that much of a gun nut, am I? (laughs) Because I've, Go ahead.
0: I advocated uh, in uh, one of my English essays back in two thousand one. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be able to have a gun unless you're certified, and I still believe that today.
1: Well, let me let me just clarify, and and I I see what you're saying. Here's the the biggest um, and I and I want to get back to your your what ifs. But what people say is you have to have a license to own a car. Well, no, you really don't. You have to have – you can buy a car and it can sit on your property, okay? So – but when you drive it, you dang, well, I want you to have a license to drive a car because I want you to know the rules of the road. So I say that same thing. Now, you're saying to be certified to own a gun in your home. That I kindly disagree with you on that because to to have a gun in your own home for protection – there, you, sometimes people just point a gun, and a criminal will walk away. I've even had stories of people calling me and telling me that they they had an NRA sticker, which is National Rifle Association sticker, on their truck, and they were a guy was badgering them, so they reached under their seat to pretend to grab a gun because you know, like you know, like I'm going to grab my gun, and and the person drove away. So to to have a gun in your home. You sh- no, you shouldn't have to be certified to own it because you're not putting um, bystanders at risk. Mm-hmm. And and if if somebody's in your home, they're they're breaking and entering, and you are at that point in fear of your life. Mm-hmm. There's three. Um, okay, so 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 to carry a gun, yeah, I think you need to have a license. You need to know when lethal law when when you can when you can kill somebody. So let's go back to the situation of be you know, you call my girlfriend a, a bully, I'm gonna kick your A. That happens every single day. And that's, you know, a threat or people are just blowing smoke or whatever. So the three elements that have to be present before you can use lethal force is number one, you have to be in fear of your life. Number two, they have to have the means Which is a weapon, you know, and you you could say, uh, you know, fists are a weapon, feet can be a weapon. In fact, that's the weapon used most often in domestic violence, by the way. And number three is that they have to have the intent. So, and and I learned that in my concealed carry classes. So, and they also teach you don't 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 put yourself into those situations. So, if you're carrying. You actually become more nonviolent because you know that you have lethal force. So people that could, I never, like I pray every day, I never want to hurt anybody. I don't want to ever accidentally kill anybody with my car. I I never want to have to shoot anybody, but if I have to protect myself or my family, then yes, I will. Okay. So the guy said, I'm going to, I'm going to kick your A. So at that point, it really, Kind of not in fear of your life, right? I mean, like, okay. So, so let's let's take it to this point. Let's say, what, what if I'm standing in my yard and my neighbor across the street or somebody walking down and they're they clear of the street, or and they go, I'm I'm mad at you. I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to kill you. Like, okay, really, you should just go in your house at that point and call the police. Okay. So let's say, then you see that the per- so let's say now the, the the boyfriend said, "I'm going to kick your a." But then you see, he pulls up his shirt pocket, and he's carrying a knife or a gun or brass knuckles or whatever. Then, then he has the means. So he has the means to. You're 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 in fear of your life now. Yeah, he has the means to hurt you, and you're in fear of your life. And so even, and so take it a point further. Somebody cross the street. I'm going to. He, he's got a baseball bat. So you're you're still not. You're in fear of your life. He has the means, but is he just saying that to be stupid? You know. So then the guy, the guy says, "I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to kick your a." And then he begins to make a motion like he's going to use that against you and kill you. Then that is when you are justified in using lethal force. Let's so in the up. scenario, yeah, okay, so the guy across the street. So he's got he's got the baseball bat. He said he's going to kill you, and then he starts running towards you. And once he gets you, in police situations, there there's like they do this tool or drill, and and like in 1.5 seconds or whatever it is, a person can run 15 feet. So you have to be able to pull your gun at, at, at that point. So so these what ifs, you know, that's the first what if you asked me. But go ahead with your question.
0: Well, okay, because. Uh... Let's just carry this scenario out here. What if, and, and by the way, I'm actually using this story because this actually happened to me once. Oh. So I guess I should probably clarify, this actually did happen to me
1: once. Were you the boyfriend that said I'm going to kick your eh? A? <laughs> no.
0: Somebody said that to me.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
0: Then he was dumb enough. I don't know what in the world he was thinking, but he was dumb enough to tell the camp counselors that he told, you know, that uh, he said, yeah, I told uh, Kevin I'm going to kick his ass if he calls my girlfriend a hypocrite and all that. So now the camp counselors got involved. That was the dumbest thing he could have done. But anyway, so uh, I didn't know that the camp counselors knew about this until a few, until, oh, weeks later. But I started doing it again trying to egg this person on because i really could not stand this person i didn't <laughs> like the boyfriend at all either i still don't by the uh-huh. way but uh-huh. then he comes up and says you know what i said last time and i said yeah uh, i said you're going to kick my ass i know you said this and he goes no i've got to think of something else because the director of the camp said if i do that i'll be put in jail So. This guy was obviously angry, and I happen to know a little bit about his home life. wasn't a very good home life. Mm -hmm. So what do you do in a situation like that? He's still obviously carrying the grudge of you calling his girlfriend a hypocrite. Should you say at that point, if it keeps on, or if he's still saying that, should you say, I have a gun, and should you be as radical as to shoot it? Up in the air to mean that you mean business. What do you do in a situation like that if you have a gun?
1: No, you, you try to say, say, look, I'm sorry. Let's just resolve this. Really, and, and but what you what you're saying is it happens every day on the schoolyards. It happens at school. And it's you know people spout off, and and so you, you just you really like just go. I'm sorry, man. Let's let's end this. You know, and and like hopefully they do. So what you're saying they carry it further and then they maybe they they want to go to your house or whatever And those are very that happens all the time too so in your house um, if, you, if you're if you a first of all get a restraining order or let the police know listen as a political activist you don't think I've had death threats and vandalism against my home oh, and sure I, my in, in South Jordan like the police have been extremely kind the last time I had some um a, a certain group that had made threats against me i called the police and i they made extra patrols around my house and you be vocal about it um and so so you first of all it, you lock all your doors and you do there's a lot of steps that you take so that you never have to use your gun and and so if you're alone in a house especially you kevin you know you're blind is that is that a politically or, or are you like a no, vision I do not challenge.
0: In fact, you might be surprised. I'm I'm a member of the National Federation of the Blind.
1: Oh, uh, so it's okay uh, to call you blind. You're not offended. No, <laughs> I mean, no. Okay. Fact, I, so,
0: I'll tell you a story. We went to I went to a training center in Louisiana, uh-huh. and we were not allowed to use the word visually impaired. It's a long story, but we were not allowed to use it. I made that. Oh wow. Uh uh-huh. Got an earful.
1: you, you got an earful because you said visually impaired. Yes. Oh, I mean, yeah, How could, if you're visually impaired, that's ridiculous. There's a lot of different ways to be visually impaired. I'm visually impaired. I have to wear reader glasses. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I'm visually impaired. <laughs> so if I – I mean, there was a guy that, that he got his concealed carry permit, like the, oh, my gosh, a blind person with a gun. But you can you can feel, you know, that that you should be allowed to have a means of self-defense. Mm-hmm. And so it, I think that the blind people, they become – um, proficient because you have to be uh, a blind friend that I had, you know, be, and very capable of, of taking care of yourself. So, do, do you carry a gun in the shower? Some people do. I've been. You, you go through different phases in your life where you have these threats and you get extra paranoid. And that's another thing they teach you in concealed carry classes is that there's like different danger that you, there's like yellow. um and, and orange and red levels of awareness. Mm-hmm. Yellow is like, you know, you, you don't pay attention to anything. Orange is like you're cautious, and you look around, and you just kind of always be aware of your surroundings. In your case, you always you need to use your ears to listen to, to your surroundings. And so red is you're on high alert. So many times in my life, I've had to be on high alert, and, and growing up, my, my girls you know, when I've had the threats and stuff and people saying mean things, uh, you know, a lot of times I said, okay, if you get a package at my doorstep, don't touch it. I want to make sure it's not a bomb. You know, I mean, it sounds, but but it's just, you're just being careful. So when you're in, when you you are afraid, like these women who, who, who get murdered by uh, domestic violence, or, or anybody who's a victim, but they've had a death threat, you know, from their ex who's Jealousy does a lot of weird things. Jealousy caused the very first murder, right? Yeah. Cain killed Abel. <laughs> yeah. So it's not a big secret that jealous boyfriends kill their girlfriends, boyfriends or husbands all the time. You know, they're and so but see girls girls are smarter. Girls usually kill uh and they're jealous that they kill um the girl. I mean they kill <laughs> they don't kill um the, they don't kill the the one he's having an affair with. They kill the guy. So anyway, okay. So so there's times so in your life they where they kill
0: the ex-boyfriend. But they, they yeah, like, the ex-boyfriend.
1: <laughs> like they don't. Like they know they know who they're mad at. They're yeah. mad at their their husband or who's cheating. They're mad at their boyfriend. They don't care about the the person they're cheating with. I mean, it's 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 sort of. Um, a, a lot of times, I mean, it's kind of typical when you read about that, yeah, but the women kill their ex husband and the ex husbands kill their wife's new boyfriend. <laughs> Guys are dumb, mm-hmm. <laughs> so no I mean, no, you should never kill anybody, but <laughs> <laughs> but you should- but you should, you just don't- c- carrying when when you have an instrument of life or death you become Responsible, and you don't want to use it. So you don't go down the alleyway. You, when you carry a gun, they, you don't go looking for trouble. So you try to avoid it. So you'll walk away from an argument. So it's just there as a last resort. If you do everything that you can, you lock the doors in the house, you get um, sensors on your light, you do everything to, you know, um, you talk about that you own guns. I, I believe me... The people know that I own guns and I know how to use them. I do believe that that protects me, um, because criminals are afraid of guns. And so, um, what we used to do. Okay, so so yeah, so yeah, Kevin. If you're worried about the boyfriend breaking into your house, put the gun on your toilet. You know, be very aware of where it is. But listen, and but don't just go shoot blindly. You know, in your case, especially. You need to know, you know, you, you say you better identify yourself. You have to know, like, you point that gun. Is it your neighbor? Is it your your daughter? Is it your your cousin? You know, so they need to identify themselves. But you you never shoot blindly. Um, there's horror stories of somebody shooting through a door that they're afraid, and, and it's the next-door neighbor who was just knocking on the door late at night. So So that's why we all... We we shouldn't just um, to carry and and even into own in your own home. Yeah, you should learn how to use it, but but not as a condition to just own a gun. Mm-hmm. So, um, does that answer your question?
0: I think so. Yeah, I just want to go back to yeah. You should have a gun on the toilet. What if you are taking a shower though, and the person is so angry? they are an experienced gun user themselves and kills you or seriously injures you somehow, does that lose credibility with being against gun control? or What do you say in a situation like that?
1: If they have a gun and, and they, pull, well, they get the first shot out? Yeah, or you they mean?
0: just grabbed your gun because you were in the shower and obviously I, I guess you could take put your gun in the shower. I wouldn't because...
1: Well, he... Um, and if you're that worried, then I don't know. Don't have your gun nearby. But you, as a blind person, I imagine that you have extra keen hearing skills. So if no, you're in I the don't. shower, you have a
0: moderate hearing loss, believe it or not.
1: Well, it's I wouldn't announce systems. that. I would tell everybody, watch out for Kevin. He has ears like a dog. Oh. <laughs> so, um, but but so but you listen, you know, like. If you if you hear and, and, or even if uh, you can rely on the spirit um, you know like I was taught to um, b- by a female police officer who happens to be Mormon and she has the gift of the Holy Ghost and she told me that she relies on the spirit a lot of times so if, if you if, if the spirit tells you hey there's something in your house then get out of the shower and go hide or just be be and have your gun with you. And they come through the bathroom door, you say, identify, and you point, you know, and you, you say, and, and like, wow, I just realized, if you're blind, how do you point in the right direction? You probably just use your sense, you know, of, of hearing or whatever, but identify yourself, I have a gun. And yes, Kevin, use the F word. You yes. better get the F out of my house or I'm going to blow your brains out. Oh, yeah. And if they have a gun, if they have a gun, but I'll, but it's better to have a gun than to not have a gun. You you don't want to be if if someone has a knife you want to have a gun. If somebody has a gun you still want to have a gun because it's equal firepower. But at the gun, at the most, is equal firepower. No no matter what you know you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. You've heard that. Yeah. And the, my the favorite scene in in um, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And that guy comes out and he's swinging his knife around at the guy. You know. <laughs> and, then, and then Harrison Ford pulls out a gun and shoots him. Mm-hmm. So guns, guns, outpower, knives.
0: Yeah, let's get into uh, activism. You've, you were at a rally, what, in 2013? Yes. Uh, uh-huh. Mo- a bunch of people from Montana came down. Oh, yes. And... Uh-huh. Uh, I vaguely remember reading an article about it. You talked about it on K KTOC. Uh, go ahead and talk to us about that and the effect that it had and what caused the rally.
1: Okay, I do believe that was um, that was uh, 223. The, uh, so, two, uh, so February 23rd, and 223 is the ammo that's used in AR-15s. Okay. And so the government was thinking of banning the, uh, the 223 ammo. So there was a rally on 223. I wasn't the organizer, but I, I helped her with it. Um, and so I, I had this great speech about 223. But, um, <clears throat> but there was a big uh, storm the night before a snowstorm, and people still came out to the rally in sub-zero weather, and the guy you're talking about that, that drove down from Montana was a Navy SEAL. And he felt that it was so important. he drove down in a blizzard to speak at a rally in Salt Lake City to talk about how important gun rights are. I'm happy to report his name was Ryan Zinke, and he is now a member of a House of Representatives in the U.S. Congress. And I'm on his email list, and he's up for re-election. So if anybody wants to support a Navy SEAL to get re-elected. So he's been out there fighting the fight. He understands Guns are important. There's um, there's a a play on words, and it, it what you and it it's it, it says okay, no guns, so like no guns equals no freedom, and then underneath that it's k n o w guns <clears throat> equals k n o w free. Um, Power, I I can't understand power because when I've been in in an evil way, I say, because when when I've had positions of power in in school, you know, elected positions throughout school or whatever, um, or even church callings, I've wanted to use my power to help people. But a lot of people surprisingly want to use that power to hurt people. And that's a doctrine and covenant scripture. I mean, do you know that one, Kevin? What scripture that is?
0: Uh, no. I'm familiar the rights of the priesthood are conferred upon you, but if you exercise on rights dominion then you're taken away. I'm familiar with that.
1: I think it's that one. Okay. And so so even um, it's my understanding and I've been told so bishops who counsel men and women in marriage relationships they will tell um, the priesthood holder just because you have the priesthood doesn't give you power to exercise unrighteous dominion over your wife. So, and then there's, I don't know, like just saying, you know, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. So it's really important to elect people who are responsible with power. So, People that have gotten into power who have evil hearts of darkness, like Hitler, like Pol Pot, like Stalin, to kill that, the amounts of people, they take their guns first. And and by, way, by the way, that was another point of my research, um, that there's a book written by a Jew named Aaron Zellman. He recently died. Do you know about that book?
0: No, you wrote a book?
1: Um, he he wrote a book. A Jewish man, Aaron Zellman, started a group called Jews for the Preservation of Firearms Ownership. It's the JPFO. And I researched them and they put out a comic book that says Gun Control Laws Kill. And so they list part of that research, was just like listed all these countries and, and the date that gun control was enacted and then the date that there was mass execution of their own citizens so so the so so I was you know i 'm proud women against gun control and, and the people that have helped me throughout the years were very honored to be a part of groups like Jews for the preservation of firearms ownership a minority a minority um, women against gun control, a minority organization fighting for gun control there's um, I also met uh, members of the black population, I don't know if they call them black, African American or whatever, but they're they're also um, organizations to preserve gun rights, and I'm happy to report that um, in in 2000, I think it was, or or a little bit before that, there was a, a national organization that was started called the Pink Pistols, and it's a gun rights group for gay and lesbian and transgendered individuals, and so... Women Against Gun Control supported them on a national basis. So I had um, one of my friends is one of the leaders, David Nielsen, He was one of the first people to speak out for gay rights in Utah. And I talked to him about. He's a Democrat and he's disabled, and and he's gay. And I said, How do you feel about gun rights? And he goes, well, I don't really know. You know, I go, Well, you need to study him. And and if you're interested, you should start a group here called, uh, you know, start a chapter of Pink Pistols in Utah, because um, that was shortly after Matthew Shepard was, uh, you know, executed on a cross in Wyoming oh, yeah. for being okay. gay, and and so I said, I don't, I don't want my gay friends to become victims of hate crimes, so he started a chapter of Pink Pistols in Utah, and it immediately was the the largest gay and rights uh, group um, advocating for gun ownership. And he t- he took a lot of um, flack, it's a good gun word, of flack for his involvement because Democrats are supposed to be anti-gun, right? Gay, you know, oh, we're so gentle so we don't believe in violence or whatever, you know. And, and he also spoke for the rights of people with disabilities because if you have a disability. And for you too, Kevin, I support your right to own a gun but you dang well you know, need to learn how to use it responsi- responsible because it's the best way to protect yourself. Um, so so he so he later changed the name of the group to Stonewall Shooting Sports. So I stand, a, a lot of times um, right now, um, IMB, Women Against Gun Control, is being represented in about six different federal courts and district courts right now on gun rights issues and it's always um, and so attorneys will call and offer free legal help because they want to represent the rights of minorities. And so it's always women against gun control, it's the pink pistols and Stonewall shooting sports, and also um, uh, one of the the African American groups is called Core. I can't think of it right now. It's called Blacks and and people with disabilities. And we are a a a core group of people that we um, are being represented by attorneys for the rights of minorities to own guns. And I, I couldn't be prouder, good at crafts, you know, and stuff like that. and and uh, But it's something um, to be part of a minority group that is speaking out for gun groups. Um, and I've been represented at the United States Supreme Court. Um, it's either three or five times, I think three times at least, and the latest huge victory for gun rights was the Parker versus Heller, which um, at, the Utah, at the United States Supreme Court that said that gun rights are an individual right. So that paved uh, the path to um, gun rights ownership in Washington, D.C. But that that was just in an amicus brief. But we were that Women Against Gun Control was the leading voice um, to support the rights because women as minorities, we... Um, we need them because we're smaller and usually um, not as strong as men. Doesn't mean we're not smarter than them. But um, and, and people with disabilities, people of color, and gay and lesbian and transgendered, who are, quite frankly, um, victims of of hate crime. And and here's another good story about you'll remember this, Kevin. A few years ago, there were a lot of hate crimes in Utah. Do you remember that when when gay people were being beat up?
0: Yeah,
1: and and so I called um, my friend David, and I said, I don't I don't like this. I I don't like that gay people are are being victimized. And so I said, I I I can get some people to to give free concealed carry classes to people who are gay. And so he called his connections. There's a magazine called Queer, and it's a magazine for gay um, LGBT. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender, and so they interviewed me, they interviewed David, and they interviewed some of my friends who gave free concealed carry classes, and just advertising, just advertising, that gays were going to get free lessons how to protect themselves. Do you remember the gay, the gay, the hate crime stops? Do you remember that?
0: No, I don't.
1: We haven't heard about them as the, much.
0: The hate crimes what?
1: against the gay against the gay population.
0: I know that there's a bill that's going to introduce some legislation or did. I don't know if it got passed.
1: Well it was um, when they were actually being beat up. They were being victimized. And so when when we 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 broadcast publicly watch out and gay people could be carrying a gun the the beatings stopped. Wow. So I so what we used to do, you know, like like we would challenge people like if guns make us safer, right? That's their that's their premise. Guns make no no. If we take the guns away, we're safer, right? Mm-hmm. So we we would go and we made these signs that said, "There are no guns in this house," and so we would just challenge the people that were anti guns. If you think this if you think this makes you safer, I dare you put this on your house. There are no guns in this house. We did not have one person take us up on this yeah, offer. I've
0: heard people say that before.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's, well, I'm, I'm going down memory lane. Because <laughs> I, you know, like I did every day I fought for gun rights. And then I, I got sued for going to city council meetings. And I got sued for $1.7 million. And I was told to shut my mouth. Um, and And if I would just shut my mouth and stop fighting against these developers that wanted to destroy river bottoms, um, they would drop the $1.7 million lawsuit against me. And I said, it's not acceptable. Rocky Anderson, who was a very liberal.
0: I wanted to talk to you about that. Uh, You were involved. I read an article just before uh, you called me about this. Uh, There was uh, some issue going on with 110 acres of, marshland in south jordan correct
1: right uh-huh
0: and you said you sued whoever the commercial developer was and rocky anderson defended you now how did it feel for rocky uh, to have rocky anderson defend you Let, i'll tell you this right now um, rocky anderson i know it's really cool in the mormon community to just knock rocky anderson and yeah it is i absolutely hate him but rocky to me has always been somebody that uh is a mixed bag for me there are issues i firmly agree with him on there are issues that i have a very firm disagreement with him on so i've never completely Mm -hmm. hated rocky but i have definitely had my firm agreements and disagreements with him so how did it feel have Rocky defend a fairly conservative person
1: or, or, oh the media loved it, and let me just clarify the developers sued us for one point seven million dollars, and then we counter sued them mm-hmm. and we won and 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 i'll I'll answer the question about Rocky, but I'll just say if if people are interested um there a a reporter, one of the state's top investigative journalists, interviewed me and my friend. For four years and wrote a novel based on a true story. Yes, and it's Paul, called Slap.
0: Yeah, by Paul. I can't remember his last name. Paul Swenson.
1: Yeah. Uh huh. And, and and it's it's a, he's one of the, it's an incredible writer. And so for the LDS audience in particular, it explores how two Mormon moms take on the establishment and how we deal with people that went to church who lied about us under oath and how it did not affect my testimony. Doesn't mean it was easy. But we understand that, that it's not the church teachings, it's the people in the church. But So we talk about forgiveness. It's probably like people actually read the book and they want to join the church because they see that Mormons aren't these weird weirdos like are portrayed in a lot of the other HBO um, yeah. representations of Mormons. We're just, you know, we, we just, we have, um, we don't do that many weird stuff, really. It's um, so... It's on Amazon. It's, it's on dozens of book sites, but I guess Amazon is the most recognizable, and, it, and they, they have um, the book reviews there, and you can look inside of the book. But I, I highly recommend to read it because anybody who feels passionate, it's about how much are you willing to give up for something that you believe in. In the book, my name is Jessica Tobler, and, and, and Rocky said I can identify him. His name is Lefty Gunderson in the book. And, and, and he's just an incredible writer, and it's, it's really, it's, it's, uh, it makes you cry, it makes you laugh. So to answer your question, when Rocky took, took the case, pro bono, after I campaigned against him, when he ran against a Republican, Merrill Cook, the media loved it. The people loved it. We did so many radio interviews together, because people like it. When you can come, when people, we're so divided as a nation right now, and what needs to happen more people, we need to find out our – I'm not going to compromise my issues, but I'm just saying we're Americans, and, and we need to figure out what can we agree on that that we can make our, our country great and stop us from, from the protests and the rallies and the, and these really dividing issues that divide us. And so people loved it. We So Rocky probably donated um, like $100,000. He told me it was $100,000 in pro bono fees. That he, and before he became mayor, then he, and then he had to – he couldn't be our attorney anymore, of course. And so at that point, we had to pay for legal rec- representation. And so we hired another one of the best attorneys in the state. Um, in the book, his name is Del Gordon. I, d- I don't know if he wants me to identify him yet as this real person. Mm-hmm. But that's when our attorney fees climbed to $400,000. And uh, we mortgaged our house to pay legal fees, and my kids went without – christmas and birthday and and it's a really it's a principle that um and, and that's when i i got um the the skin eating disorders I was talking about earlier um be, because of the stress of losing my house because i I tried to save some open space um and so you really like how so what I taught my kids and they and they and they understand it very well and they were incredibly supportive as as my husband to have his paycheck. I'm, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I don't make money. I volunteer my time to causes I believe in, because another Mormon scripture, you know, we should be anxiously engaged in a good cause. Um, it, it's, and another a Mormon hymn, because I have been giving given much, I too must give. And I can't sit here and have the knowledge I have of the gospel, that liberty and free agency is so important, and the Constitution is a divine document, and, and for me not to try to do everything I can in my power to preserve that. So um, it's really a the things that, we, that matter most to us in life. We can't buy them. We can't buy love. We can't buy our health. We can't buy happiness, right? Yep. We, can't, we can't buy our gun rights. We, we can't buy the First Amendment. We can't buy free speech. We can't buy our gun rights. Our rights, we have to fight for them. And people died for them to be free, and so you can't buy rights at the mall. You have to fight for them. And so our family was severely punished and severely suffered, but we did win a a, a major free speech case. and And the, the the book, like I say, slapped on Amazon by Paul Swinson. But there's a website that's up that tell it's the true story. It needs to be updated, but that's slap suit. It's S L A P P. S-U-I-T dot O-R-G. And it has the pictures before and after of the river bottoms and a collection of the newspaper articles. So I'm a very firm believer you should be anxiously engaged engaged in a good cause and also that we should be blessed are those who are compelled to do good without having to be compelled or whatever. Just go do it. Don't wait for a church calling. You know, I know a lot of people that just, um, they won't do missionary work until they get a church calling to do it. They won't go and and, and um, work at the cannery or whatever until they get a calling. You know, like so. We should do these things, especially um, we should we should be out fighting to defend the Constitution because it is a divinely inspired document. Joseph Smith, all the prophets have talked about how important the Constitution is, and people that really understand the gospel understand. More than ever, if you understand the war in heaven and how we we didn't want to be like Satan, we didn't want Satan's plan because we didn't want to have to be controlled and under his power, that it's better to have the freedom to choose. And and so if if I could say, get emotional, um, more, more than anything, why I... Have a strong testimony despite no matter what opposition and how hard it is to be a political activist, to be Mormon and not quite fit into the homemaking crowd, you know. And, and I'm out there fighting these really, really big battles. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, but, but I understand that Jesus Christ is freedom. He gives us freedom. And we get to choose what we do with our life. He doesn't, he doesn't make us do it. The government compels us and uses force to force us to do things that we don't want to do. So I guess if we're going to, I don't know how long we're going to talk, but but, but, I mean, I just, it's so awesome to me that I don't have to listen to the tabernacle choir if I don't want to. (laughs) I can listen to my rock music. I can be my own kind of Mormon and still live the commandments and, and choose the things that I want to do. It's so important, and that's what the Constitution does, is that our rights come from God, and they keep us free. And we have to preserve that. I'm I'm going to do everything, and I've made, I've promised God, as long, you know, like, I'll, I'll do everything in my power to fight for liberty. If I don't believe, I fought, you know, I've said, I, I've taken on a lot of liberal causes, so if if I don't agree with what you're doing, I'll fight to the death to defend what you do and say because we shouldn't have just one opinion. It it doesn't mean that it's right. And and be willing to to have an open mind and listen to other people's opinions on issues and come together.
0: We're running out of time, but I do want to do a part two of this podcast because I want to get into some things we didn't have time to get into. And I really want to get deep in the next podcast, including... um... I want to ask you more questions about gun control, partly because questions I've always wondered about,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm sure the audience is wondering about it.
1: Um, um I'd love to do it because I am passionate about it, and it, it's just, it's really important. And and we don't the podcast gives the advantage, that, you know. There's no commercials and people. You can have these in-depth conversations that yeah. need to that need to, we need to talk about gun safety and all these issues that just can't it. Because of how much media costs, it's not necessarily a fault of the media. It's just that you have two minutes to cover these really big, important issues um, to, to talk about things on everybody's mind, I guess. So, yeah. <clears throat>
0: um, yeah, I, I, the, what's happening here is I'm going through a service called uh, PowerPress, which is also called Blueberry.com, and I only paid because uh, I don't want to go broke. Uh, twenty dollars for two hundred and fifty megabytes. I'm just afraid we're running out of space. But I definitely (laughs) want to have you back on because uh, we only scratched the surface of what I wanted to get into. And I think now that we've covered our basis, we I really want to get into this with you because I don't really. Yeah, we've met at K Talk. Yeah, I've called on some shows that you've been on. We've never had a heart-to-heart conversation right and i've always wanted to oh i i tried to do it once but then things got in the way i i did mention that mm-hmm. i wanted to have you on a podcast back in 2008 when i was doing it but then things got in the way and but uh yeah we i really think we need to have a heart to heart conversation uh on the podcast and even in person because these are issues I've always wondered about, and uh, I always have Good. mixed opinions about, and go back and forth on. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure mm-hmm. other people do too.
1: Well, I I'd, I'd be happy to do it. Like I say, it's um, these are important issues that, that need to have more than a soundbite discussion. I so, agree.
0: and uh, that's the beauty of a podcast. I'm going to end it right now. Stay with me, though. Uh, you've been listening to the LDS Life podcast and um, we will talk to you later folks oh by the way before we you, before you go uh let's talk uh, what is your favorite part uh about being LDS
1: um wow <laughs> okay to answer that question i i do have to have full disclosure um my maiden name is smith and i am related to joseph smith junior the prophet right. yeah.
0: The, well, we'll talk about that in the next podcast.
1: <laughs> so I, I will just say I like that it gives me I have a, a good wholesome lifestyle that I think um, it makes us unique and individual, uh, or, or unique in, in the world. Um, that gives us extra attention. <laughs> like we shouldn't be ashamed of our morals and standards. Because here's what's interesting: is usually the morals and standards of the LDS Church used to be the morals and standards of the world. It's as the world has progressed and, and downgraded these morals, the, the LDS church and other churches have stayed constant. Um, I I love my family. I love my cousins, um, family reunions, and, and the knowledge that I have that we live again after we die. And and really, especially the knowledge that I have of how much freedom is, is so important Um So that's probably my favorite part.
0: Yeah, and uh, next podcast, I want to get really deep. I want to talk about the Bundys and LDS. I want to talk more about that. Because, yes, I did go up to
1: Oregon and met with the Bundys, and I could be arrested any minute. (laughs) Yeah, oh, did I tell you that? Yeah, I went up there. Yeah. Did
0: you occupy the federal building? Because I know there were two protests there was one that was peaceful, and then there was one where they occupied the federal building
1: and that was also a peaceful protest and that's why i went up there 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 wasn't even a piece of paper out of place the doors were unlocked yep. and these are good pe- these are mormons by the way and let me you know um they they left the place better than they found it despite reports from the media they were cleaning out barns that hadn't been uh, cleaned out you know like you know like them getting the cobwebs out um, and, and I went up there to be part of a negotiating team to hopefully end um, and bring them home. But it was it was one of the most fascinating experiences um, Let's that I've had. About and if that, you're
0: because uh, I did listen to the, I watched I didn't watch them getting released, but I watched uh, people. I watched uh, David Fry and him going berserk. I want to ask you about that.
1: Cause well, and, and, and talk and from an LDS perspective, I'd love to talk about the LDS funeral at Lavoie Finnicum. Yeah, that was it was the greatest meeting I've ever been to in my life and, and just as a teaser so i so Lavoy died, you know was killed, so media attended a Mormon funeral where all eleven of his kids testified of Jesus Christ. So, if there were any doubt is Mormon we are christians they they talked about Jesus Christ, the atonement, and families can be together, and that God is liberty and freedom and people are God works in mysterious ways, people that hate Mormons and would have never stepped into a Mormon stake center were at his funeral
0: Wow, yeah, I'll have to end it right here, but let's uh Uh, thanks for listening to the LDS podcast and uh, we'll be back with another great podcast